0: The greatest NBA player of all time, according to the astute people of Eastside Christian Church. Who is it? Here we go. 94%. Man, wow, wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. Hey, listen, my favorite Easter story of all times, okay? Every preacher's got a lot of Easter stories. And my favorite, the one that I love the most, is about the little boy who came home from school one day. He walks in the house, and man, he finds out that his turtle died. And his heart is broke, man. He's sobbing and crying and and just what are we gonna do for him? And 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 this kid is just tore up. His dad comes home from work and thinks, man, we gotta help him out somehow. And so his dad comes up with this great idea. And he sits him down and says, Timmy, I got an idea, man. He says, How about how about we how about we do a funeral for your turtle? And I'll take you down in my workshop, and we'll make him a little casket. And I'll let you build it. You can use my saw. I'll show you how to hammer the wood, and we'll just make it. I'll let you do all the tools. And and Timmy started listening, and his lip was still quivering, but he said, "Okay." You know, he started to perk up a little bit. And Dad said, "And once we get it done, I'll let you carry it out in the backyard, and you can use Dad's big shovel, and you can you can dig a hole." And and you can bury your turtle there. We'll let you do that. And, and he, he's kind of quivering, but perking up a bit. And he said, can I bury him over by the tree house? And dad said, yes, of course you can. And so we'll have that, and he, you can invite your friends over, and we'll let your friends say some nice words about what the turtle meant to them. And, and we'll bury him. and then mama has some cookies, and maybe we'll just make a party of it. And, and Timmy was like... Okay, they go down in the basement and they start working on this little casket, and Timmy sawing and knocking things together, and they happened to look over on the side of the workbench, and the turtle's legs started to quiver a little bit, and they started staring at it, and pretty soon all the legs are moving, and the head popped out of the shell, and the the turtle flipped over and starts walking around, and Dad says he's alive, Timmy, he's alive. And Timmy said, let's kill him, Dad. <laughs> now listen listen real carefully to this. Easter, Easter is the greatest celebration we Christians have going. It is our Super Bowl, dude. This is as good as it gets. If Easter doesn't get your juices flowing, man, there is something going on with you. This is our Super Bowl. But here's the reality. Sometimes the turtle, the turtle is still dead. And what do you do then? See, there's two kinds of people in this room. There are those who have seen the power of God. And there are those who are still waiting for it. And what we're going to find out as we go through a study here this evening is we're going to find out that sometimes we celebrate and then sometimes we trust. And those are two different animals there. So we've we've been playing with this idea that that there's a place in the Bible, and if you're, if you're a church person, and this is all, you know, you, you just know this stuff, that's great. But if you're not, don't feel bad about that. we am going to kind of get us all on the same plane here. There's, there's this place in the Bible where Jesus defines himself. He said, hey, this is me. This is who I am. And he said it seven different times in a book in the Bible by the name of John. John wrote about him. And seven different times Jesus said, this is me, okay, this is who I am. And he picked a metaphor, a, a word picture, and he said, think about that and, and you'll know who I am. And so here in our church, we've just kind of been walking through them. And everyone that we've looked at, we've noticed that it just stirs your affections for Jesus. You just love him more when you find out who he is. So we got four under our belt. We've looked at these. We've looked at the fact that Jesus is the greatest bread, greatest light, greatest door, greatest shepherd. And those are off the charts, crazy, incredible. I hope, I hope you get a chance to listen to those messages. So we come today, and we're in the fifth of those. Jesus did this seven times. And the fifth one, he talked about the fact that he is the greatest resurrection And therefore, it's scheduled for Easter weekend for us, this idea that Jesus is the greatest resurrection. And that word picture is given to us. All seven of the word pictures have a place in the Bible where they talk about it. And it is given to us in the middle. Don't miss that. You understand why that's so important in a minute. It is given to us in the middle of John chapter 11 right smack dab in the middle, and that's crucial to remember. And it's two verses you probably heard if you've ever been in a church or a funeral home, you've probably heard these verses. And Jesus said this. Let's look at it real quick. He said, I am, that's what he does seven different times, I am, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Now, if you're a church person, and if you're familiar with the Bible, you know, you, you know that, you know, you've heard that, you probably know where it comes from. But if you're not, if it's kind of new to you, and you're thinking, okay, what is this? This is a part of a story in John chapter 11 about a guy by the name of Lazarus. And Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, and Lazarus had died, and Jesus shows up one day and raises Lazarus from the dead. And John chapter 11 is that story. And right in the middle of the chapter, right in the heart of the chapter, Jesus says this. And what Jesus was trying to say with these words, it's really simple to understand. He was trying to say that God has power over death, that God controls that, that God has power over it. And he's going to prove it in a few minutes when he raises Lazarus. And so this is what happens in chapter 11, is that God's power over death comes in the form of Lazarus who is dead and came alive. Jesus rose him from the dead. And then Lazarus is gonna be a precursor to what will happen with Jesus not long after that when he dies on a cross and he comes to life. And Jesus is then the precursor to anybody who follows Jesus. That when we die on this earth, if we are a follower of Jesus, we too, will come alive and live for eternity in heaven. And so that, 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 that section of two verses, right in the middle of John chapter 11, that's all that's about, is that Jesus comes on the scene and says, God has power over death. And you're gonna see it in a few minutes in Lazarus, you're gonna see it in me, three days after they kill me on a cross, and you will experience yourself if you someday choose to believe. Now watch this because I haven't even told you what i am talk about yet today. The whole point of this sermon is that what those verses are in the middle, right in the middle of chapter 11 is that something happens after those verses. I call it the backstory of chapter 11. Something's gonna happen after those verses and there is something that happens before those verses, and it is called the front story. And you probably have never in your whole life looked at John chapter 11 like that because we zero in on those verses. God has power over death. What we don't realize is the point of it, the point of it is what happens on the back story and what happened on the front story. Now here's why you ought to listen about that. Because every person in this room, bar none, is living the back story or is living the front story. You are on one side of that story, every one of us. And that's why Sometimes we celebrate, and other times we trust. So let me take you on that. Let's go backstory. What happened after Jesus made his proclamation God has power over death? Well, what happens is that Jesus will raise Lazarus from the dead. He's in a tomb where he has been dead for four days. If you've ever wondered about that, that's really important that it was four days, because the Jews back in those days believed, they had this kind of mystical understanding that when a person died, their spirit kind of hovered over their body for three full days, deciding whether the spirit wants to go back into the body. And so for three full days, it's really possible they would come alive. So it is imperative that Jesus said, this got to be four days. So here's what's happening by the text saying four days Lazarus isn't dead okay he is dead dead okay there's a difference he is dead in fact it, it, it comes up later in the story that the understanding of everybody there that we are talking about a guy who is completely gone because when Jesus ready ready from the, the to bring him from the tomb he said he said move the move the stone away so he can come out and they said you sure about that Four days, man, he is, it's not smelling good in there. In fact, you want a funny little thing about the Bible you probably never knew? If you ever look at the King James Version of the Bible, okay? And I know you got a device right now, your phone, you can check it out. Do it later, okay? Just go to King James Version, look at John chapter 11, and you will find later on when they said, you sure you want to, it says, because he stinketh. The word stinketh is in the Bible. Is that the most awesome thing you've ever heard in your life? I don't know. It's a sad uh, sense of my uh, uh, humor, I guess. I don't know. So we're talking about a guy who is dead, completely dead, and Jesus brings him from the tomb. Can you even wrap your head around what that must have been to see? That must have been absolutely breathtaking. And we're told on the backside, this is important that we're on the backside of the story, we are told that when Jesus calls him from the tomb and the dead Lazarus, the four day dead Lazarus is alive, we are told that many in the crowd began to follow and believe Jesus. Look at this verse, look at this verse. Therefore, many of the Jews who'd come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, what he did with Lazarus, they put their faith in him. I think, I think this is the most duh verse in the whole Bible. So you're sitting there, and you, you know, you're just kind of hanging around, and there's a dead guy there that really stinketh. Okay, four days, he's gone, it's over with. Jesus calls, and he, he stands up, and he walks around. And there's people there going, man... I tell you what, I, I don't know what I just saw, but that Jesus, I'm gonna follow that cat, okay? Well, duh, who isn't? Who's it? whos going to watch that and go, I don't know about that, I'm not real sure about it. Who's gonna do that? And so it says that many in the crowd began to believe Jesus and they began to celebrate because sometimes when the power of God shows up, and God does something incredible, that's when his people who follow him celebrate. Listen, gang, that's why Easter is our Super Bowl. That's why it's our Super Bowl. Because we celebrate the power of God that can do anything at all. And many in the crowd that day just broke out into praise and celebration because of it. That is the same for us that we understand the power of God can bring people from the dead. And so we celebrate that, okay? We think about people who've went before us who we miss terribly. Family and friends whom we love and they follow the Lord and although we miss them because of the power of resurrection, we know where they're at. And we live with that as believers ourselves, knowing that when the day comes at our end on this earth, we know where we're going. See, the power of God and his resurrection brings us to a point of celebration because he has power over death. But watch this. Because he has power over death, he can do anything. And that's why Christians celebrate because no matter what we face in life, the resurrection power of God can bring us to a point where we will see his power in amazing ways. Earlier this week, our staff got together and we were preparing for Easter here at Eastside. We were thinking about all the different things we wanted to do, and we think, how can we get the message out in the community? We want everybody to know when our services are, and so we came up with this idea we were going to put these signs out by our road out here, and so we bought a bunch of signs. you drive by hundreds of cars, go by our building every single day, and then just drive by and they see all the times and all the days we're having services. We said, that's awesome, man. We put it out there. We got it great, getting a lot of traction from a lot of people seeing it, a lot of people talking about it. And then Wednesday, uh, two days ago, we came in this building, and we were starting to hear reports that there was going to be some wind that night. And then they started talking a little bit later, it's going to be like crazy wind, okay? And where I live, we had four Tornadoes within about five miles of our house. I mean, we're talking silly wind Wednesday, right? We thought, man, this is going to be wind. It's crazy. So all our staff came here Thursday morning. All of our staff showed up here early yesterday morning and our first job was go find our signs, okay? They're probably down in the river, they're up in Charlestown, they're on the roof of the school, they're gonna be everywhere. And we drive in here and there's those silly signs, abrupt, straight, erect, none of them moved at all. And somebody said, resurrection power, baby! And I'm not trying to be silly about this. I want you to hear this because this is the point of the backstory. story. This is the point on the other side, that God has such an incredible power. Watch this. He not only controls resurrection, but he controls everything from the sign to heaven and everything in the middle. And you and I live in the middle. And there's a lot of people in this room who have stories after stories after story of the resurrection power of God that is coming to your life. That's why Easter is our Super Bowl. It's not just that we come alive forever and eternity, although that's pretty awesome, okay? It is everything in the middle of the power of God that comes into our life, and that's why there's a lot of people in this room, a whole lot of people in this room, that you know what it's like to celebrate. Here, why? 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 Watch. Because you're on the backside of the story. But let me take you back to that verse, and we show you something in a verse that Bothered me when I first saw it. Let me bring that verse back up here that we just read. It says, Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. You see the word many? That bothers me. Many? Many? Why doesn't it say, Everybody. I mean, let's just say we're at a funeral right here, okay? We're doing a funeral, and there's a dead, dead person here, and somebody raises them up, and many of us start to believe. Many? Who here isn't going to believe when you see that? The reality is not everybody will. Why? Because there is a front side to the story. And when you're on the front side of the story, it is really hard to celebrate because that's when you learn to trust. And so let's just kind of revert back and let's go to the front side of the story. And on the front side of the story, we find out at that point, Lazarus is sick. Now, he's more than sick, gang, okay? Uh, he's sick-sick, just like he was dead-dead when he, oh, he was sick-sick. I mean, it was bad stuff. And Nazareth had two sisters. Their names were Martha and Mary, two sisters. We see them a lot in the Bible. They come up often, and so we know some things about them. Uh, Mary was kind of the tender, kind of soft-spoken, gentle, kind of sweet, angelic sister, okay? Uh, we find her three times in the Bible. This is crazy. Mary comes up three times in the Bible, this is Mary, and all three times she's at the feet of Jesus, listening to him, adoring him. That was Mary. Martha was a little more on the aggressive side. Martha was a little bit more in the face. She's a little bit more a bulldog, if you will say. And so Martha is a little bit kinda, I'm gonna come at you, and you're gonna see that here in a minute. By the way, I've heard families are like that. I don't know if you have two sisters in your family. I've heard that's really true a lot of times. If you got two sisters in your family, one is kinda gentle and angelic and easy to go, and the other one is, well, you know what I'm talking about, okay? So that probably caused some family squabbles a little bit later. But that's what's going on with Martha and Mary. And so we're on the front side of the story, and Martha, this is really important, Martha sends word to Jesus. He's a couple miles away, and she sends a runner, go tell Jesus that Lazarus is sick, sick, and we need you. And so the runner goes to tell Jesus that Lazarus is sick, sick. And I want you to see what happened when Jesus got the news. Let's look at it, and be careful, because I'm about to get under your grill. You east people know what I'm talking about, don't you? Watch this. So Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick. He stayed where he was two more days. Now, let me go ahead and ask the question that we all want to know, but we're just a little afraid to ask. If you love, if, if you really love, don't you go? Like now? Now? See, there there are people in this room, and one of them happens to be talking to you right now, who know about the moments in your life where you wondered that about God because he didn't show up or he was late on your clock. And it makes it really hard to celebrate. Have you ever needed him now and nothing happened? Have you ever prayed and, and you could just feel it, you could see it in the intensity of your prayer? When you're praying for somebody you love, you're praying for your marriage, you're praying for your kids, you're, you're praying for a job, you're praying to get pregnant, you're praying to overcome a disease, you're praying to, to finally victor over an addiction, you're praying to crawl out of depression, and, and while you pray, you literally feel it going straight up and hitting the ceiling and bouncing right back. Anybody ever been there? And that's the front. Side of the story, and that's really, really hard to celebrate there. And so Martha comes out and finds Jesus. And when you read the story, it's kind of funny because she hears Jesus on the way. And, and Martha, okay, Martha the bulldog, she runs out of the house. She goes out before Jesus, ever gets into town. She meets him on the outside of town. You ain't coming in my house. I'm gonna go get you. And so she runs out there, and she meets him before she, he's even in the city. And I'm, I'm gonna give you the slang of what she said. Where you been, bro? Where you been? If you'd shown up, we wouldn't be where we're at today. Where you been? And and I I, I find it interesting because I'm a. I'm a Christian and I'm kind of a spiritual religious guy. you know, that's kind of my life. It's kind of what I I kind of love what Martha does because Martha, you can almost sense her that she seems a little almost guilt ridden that she has confronted the creator of the world to his face. And so she thinks, okay, I got to throw in some, you know, some nice things, I guess. And so she says kind of like, you know, if you're ever in a a position where you say the right thing because it's the right thing, but you really don't mean it, okay? And so she kind of softly goes, I know, I know. He's gonna be alive at the end of the world. You know, I don't know. I know that. I know all the. She just kind of sprinkling maybe some niceties. Christians do that all the time. We're sickening when we do that. We say the right thing because we know it's the right thing, but we don't really believe it. But we say it to kind of put on an air. We got a song in our church we love, the title is called King of My Heart. It's one of our favorite songs in our church. When we start singing it, man, people just start singing, they pour their heart out. There's a part in the chorus that goes, you're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. And we sing that and we go crazy with it. Who here in this room, other than me, didn't once in a while want to slip in another little line after you tell God you've never let him. Who here has ever wanted to say, except for that one time? Because that's what we do, don't we? We kind of backpedal a little bit. We kind of soften a little bit because deep down, way, way down, the only thing that really matters is uh, where you been, dude, where you been? And so we say the nice things and the right things, but we don't mean them. And so we used to say this back in the day: "God is good all the time." And all the time, what? God, God is good. Okay, we'd say that. we ah, it feels so good to say the right thing. anybody ever wanted to say? I, I can think of a couple times when I didn't think he was really good, because that's what we do. Because can't celebrate there. But let me show you what Mary did. Mary's back in the house and she eventually comes out and Mary and Martha are now talking to Jesus and and Martha says something to kind of give an indication of where she's at. And I wonder if there's anybody in this room that's there. Because she looked at Jesus and she said this, check this out. She said, I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And here's the slang of what that is about. Jesus, I ain't happy that you didn't show up. I am brokenhearted that my brother is dead and you could have prevented that. But as long as you are around, the game ain't over. God can still do whatever he wants and that's where I'm at. I'm not celebrating, I'm trusting. And folks, when I get Christian people who are honest about it, who are honest in their life, that's where a lot of us live. We can't celebrate because we haven't seen the power yet, but we know who he is. We know what he's capable of. And so although we may not be able to celebrate at the moment, here's where we live, and it's a pretty doggone good place to live trust you, I trust you, every person in this room on this day is in a state of celebration because you have seen the mighty hand of God in your life, or a state of trust because you're waiting on it, and you know a good God will respond. It's been 12 years now, hard to believe that long, but 12 years when a very tragic car accident took the life of Corey Harper. Corey was only 21 years old, 21 years old, and lost his life. He was a bit of a celebrity around here. He was a great athlete at New Albany High School, incredible running back on the football team, could hit a softball an absolute mile. And one night, Corey was involved in a terrible, tragic car accident, lost his life at 21 years old. It's somewhat ironic that he died when he was 21, and the number that he wore in all of his sports, as long as his parents could remember as a little guy all the way up, he was always number 21. Running back, number 21. Baseball player, number 21. Uh, Everything he did, number 21. And in fact, he was known often by a lot of people around here as there's 21." His dad told me that after he died and they're trying to get through this as a family, he said it was crazy how many times they would see the number 21. He said, we'd see it on a menu, we'd see it up on a wall somewhere, we'd we'd see it come across the television screen and it was just nuts how many times we saw 21. I, I can't even imagine as a parent what it must be to go through something like that. I mean, surely God could have showed up in some way to prevent that. And he did not. His dad struggled through that as any dad would. And one day his dad found himself in this church. In the middle of the week showed up at a program that was being held in our church uh, called Grief Recovery. It was helping people uh, get through grief. And he showed up because he said, and I'm having a really hard time with that. And he got to know some people and kind of worked through the program and and as they worked through that program mike and his family uh, started turning their eyes toward jesus and eventually became uh, very faithful members of our church mike and i had coffee one day and and um he was telling me the story and i said mike can i have permission to tell this story about your son in a sermon and he graciously said of course you can and so the weekend came in which I told the story about Corey dying, and uh, the number twenty-one, and and all the things involved in that, and their family coming to Christ, and all all that stuff. And when that weekend was over with, when the sermon was over with, I went down on the floor right here, and and uh, their family came over and talked with me, Mike and his family, and and uh, and when they were done talking, they they left the room. And I've told a few privately what happened after they left the room. I've never told it publicly. And I called Mike this week and I, I said, man, I want, to, I want to tell that. Are you okay with that? And he said, I'd be honored. So when Mike and his family started coming to our church after um, they went through the grief stuff, recovery program, and they they would sit over here on this side in the front row. They'd be there every week. I didn't realize it, but Mike shared with me later that they had not missed one weekend in five years. They come here every weekend, they sit in the front row right over there. And on the day that I told their story, they got up and came and talked with me afterwards and then they were leaving the room. And he told me later, he said, Dave, we've been in that front row five years, never missed a weekend. And we would always at the end of service leave and we'd go down that aisle right there. We'd leave right that aisle. He said, I don't know on the day that you told this, came up talked with you and then we left and he said for some reason didn't plan it don't even know why we went the side aisle all the way over here to the left my right or your right but my left we went down that aisle he said i don't know why we did that for five years we came here we walked out there get in a car go home and that weekend we went all the way over there he said as soon as we started going down that aisle all the way to the left he goes i happened to look down and he noticed down on the bracket of one of the rows of the chairs down there. There's a little sticker there. It's one of those inspector stickers and apparently um, before any of these seats were installed in this room, there's an inspector somewhere that had to inspect the rows and if they were okay, they would put their inspector number. And I wanna show you a picture of it. We brought it here. It's number 21. And I didn't know that. And their family didn't know it. The project manager of our church didn't even know it. And apparently for any of that stuff came in this room, it had to be inspected and whoever that inspector was, his or her number was 21. And there are 64 number 21 stickers in this room. And we never heard or knew anything about it until the weekend that we honored the life of a 21-year-old boy who died, known as number 21 in all the things that he did, and 21 helped a family turn their eyes and trust a living God. Now, did God have anything to do with that? I don't know. I might get to heaven and the Lord will say, Dude, that was amazing. I didn't know anything about them stickers. But where it brings us is here. Watch this. Because sometimes we celebrate and sometimes we trust. But we always follow. We always follow. And I want to challenge you on this day to follow. And I'm going to be be straightforward with you. I'm going to do this five times this weekend. And I'm not going to hold anything back. But I am going to boldly call you to be a follower of Jesus right now. Because it's the best hope you have for your life. And I'm going to challenge you to follow him. And it's not all that complicated how you follow. Number one, you get in the game. You come to Jesus, you trust Jesus. You understand that Jesus has a forgiveness that you need. You get baptized as a moment, all of this turns and you start living for Jesus. Get in the game and I'm gonna challenge you not one time ever again in all of your life that you stay on the sidelines or you camp out on the bench. Get. In the game with Jesus, if you're not in the game yet. Secondly, here's what I'm gonna challenge you to do, and that's to stay in the game. There's a lot of people who get in the game, and somewhere along the line, fall out of it. And I'm gonna challenge you to stay in the game. And we've been doing a lot of this in and out and up and down stuff for two years, gang, and we've been blaming it on a virus, and we let that virus fool us into doing it because we're busy, and we're burdened, and we like convenience, and here's what I say. We end that today. Today, we end that today. That today is the day that we are back in the game to stay. And we ain't ever quitting again. I'm going to challenge you to be a follower. Whether you're celebrating or trusting, God has called you to follow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to come before you right now and I want to pray that your Holy Spirit will touch the lives of folks in this room. And There's a lot of us celebrating and I pray that that praise within our heart will motivate us to continue to live for you in an incredible way. There's some of us still trusting. Let us know that's okay. That's okay. But always calls to follow you. I praise you. I love you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.